All right, it's working this time. Two weeks ago, all we had was my loud mouth to stand, got it fixed. And then last week, I was the only one here, so it didn't matter. We're going to do things a little differently today, and I'll share why in a moment. A couple of things that I want to do as we get started. Number one, if you need, I'm sure I got all my stuff here. If you need a Bible, raise your hand, and Jim will be glad to give you one. We're going to do things kind of out of order today because we're going to ordain two new elders to our church at the end of the service today. We'll, we'll talk more about that in a few moments. We're going to kind of think, do some things a little differently today. So, in your seat when you came in or somewhere around you, you saw this white handout concerning adult small groups. They start back tonight. There's some listed there who the leaders are. You can contact Russ or myself, if, Rhiannon, if you'd like more information. But starting tonight at 5 o'clock here and across the street, we had the uh, Sunday night small groups that are beginning back tonight. We have some that meet on, on Sunday morning, but this is something cool that you can do on Sunday night if you're not somewhere else. We've got things here for the children, and all of that begins back tonight. And here's my encouragement to you. If you're here and, and you're, you're checking out Christ Church, or you may have been here for a while, and you're not involved in a smaller group where you're, you're held accountable, you're growing, you're that fellowship where you're taking care of each other, uh, you only get about a half of what you need. If, if you're only coming and you're hearing me, that ain't good enough. That's, uh, my wife tells me that all the time. That, that ain't good enough. So my encouragement to you is it, it's incredibly important. We're going to talk a little bit about that today, that it's incredibly important that you're, in, you're with a smaller group of believers, that you're holding each other accountable, you're growing together in the faith around the word of God. So this is a great way of doing that in these small groups. And plus we've got... On Sunday night, I've got stuff here for your kids as well. So if you're not involved in a small group, I really encourage you to take advantage of that. And they start back tonight at 5 o'clock. Just a couple other quick things. We're going to do announcements today rather than at the end. We're going to be ordaining elders at the end and teaching everybody the secret handshake and getting their Dakota rings and all that cool stuff. So that will happen today at the end. Um, those of you that participated with the help group yesterday, again, very heartfelt thank you from us as leadership and the staff. Uh, I know Chris is even here today, who, who uh, leads all of that. What was our final number yesterday? My, all right, we had about 220, which is average, 50 less than what we have normally average. But at one point, it really looked like a whole lot lower than that. But uh, regardless, 220 families that we took care of yesterday is significant. And you guys make that happen. Many of you are physically in the building, and it's a great help both campuses come together and do that once a month, as well as you make it possible through your giving and your prayers. And so if you've never been, third Saturday of every month, you need to come one time, even if, you, if you're like me. If you don't do anything but just show up and look good. Okay, just show up. Uh, it, it means something. You will, be, you will be blessed just by watching the people there, by... If you push a basket to the car with some people and do, do that or just hand out food, do boxes, there's a lot going on, clothes upstairs, or just tons of stuff going on. I challenge you to go upstairs in the clothes closet sometime and go back in the back and try to sort. You'll see, we'll see, see what kind of person you are if you, if you can survive that. So 
I, I, again, thank you so much. A couple other quick things, and then we will move on. Uh, make sure I don't leave out anything. If you're visiting with us today, in case we forget you at the end, thank you for choosing to worship here. You could have been anywhere else, and you chose to be here at Christ Church today in Arlington, and we are honored that you've made that choice. And we'd love to meet you at the end of the service. We've got a gift for you out in the lobby, and we do not expect you to give. We have these black boxes around the room, and, and that's for those of you, this is your church home, give in obedience to the Word of God, whether you give online or you give through the black boxes at the exits. But if you're visiting, we do not expect you to give. You're our guest, and as I said, we have a gift for you. We'd love to know if you have questions. You'll be given a Connect card when you came in for everybody. If you've got questions or prayer requests, information we need, that's a great way to do it. You can also put that in the the black box, and we, we go through all of that, pray over it, and pass it on to the appropriate people that, that need to have it. So, again, thank you for being here if you've chosen to worship with us today. Last thing I will mention on a kind of a selfish note, uh, we're, I'm starting a new precept Bible study here in a few weeks. So we're going to start the sign-ups for today. If you're interested, we're going to be doing Hebrews Part 1. If you're interested in studying the book of Hebrews with us, we'll do it on Wednesday nights here at 6.30 Sunday nights in Bartlett at 6. We start the sign-ups today. You can see my wife, she'll be right outside my palatial office there by the front door. There's a little table. You can sign up if you're interested in doing Hebrews Part 1 with us. All right, take your Bibles and turn to Acts, the book of Acts. And of interesting of God that we're going to be in the book of Acts today. We knew we were going to do this several weeks ago because we were going to be ordaining elders this week, and we'll do it next week in Bartlett. But starting the first Sunday in February, Marcus at the Bartlett campus and, and I here, going back and forth doing different things, we're going to begin a study of both campuses through the book of Acts. And we'll see how many years that takes us. Marcus and I were talking the other day, and he doesn't know me very well. And, and he said, well, I'll probably, it'll probably take me longer to finish a chapter than it will you. <laughs> see, you know me a little better. And for those who know me, no, that ain't happening. So we'll see how God, God uh, leads us through the book of Acts, whether we finish it before Jesus comes back. By the way, if we don't finish it before Jesus comes back, feel free to be in charge when to just take over. All right. If you'll take your hand out and look at the top of it. This is a, a cool time, a significant time in, in the life of a local church. When you select new elders and you bring men in to lead. And those two men that we will ordain at the end of the service today, just so you're not thinking about the, that the entire time, are Steve Nance and Mike Clay. We choose our elders based on height. <laughs> you, will, you, will, you will see why that is uh, significant at the end of the service today. But it, it is very appropriate and very important that we, we pause at a time like this and realize the significance of what it means to be an elder, what it means to be a pastor teacher, what it means to be a leader in God's church. You'll notice at the top of your handout from the book of Titus, Paul writes, for this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able, by sound doctrine, both to exhort and convict those who contradict. Notice what he's saying. 
The entire book of Titus is focused on this. Paul said, I'm going to do this island to Crete to make sure that in every locale, in every local church, there are leaders who are faithful men who will exhort, encourage, and convict through sound doctrine, proper teaching, proper exposition of the word of God. And we have been reminded over and over during the church age, which is what we're in now. The church age began when Jesus ascended, sent us on the Great Commission, and it will end when Jesus comes back, Advent to Advent. We are in the church age. The Bible also calls it the last days. And it's a significant thing that we stop and we realize that God has chosen us. The word church means called out ones, the ecclesia. God has called us out to be the institution through which he reveals himself to the world. He exhorts the world. He convicts the world of truth. And so the men that are chosen to lead those local churches, it's incredibly important that they are men that are focused on this. And that's why we don't just... Uh, Tony Evans, uh, one of my favorite uh, pastor teachers in our country, he's uh, in Dallas. I love Tony Evans. One of the things he says about choosing leaders in the church, choosing elders specifically, he says they're not chosen by notoriety. They're chosen by spirituality. And does that mean that Steve Nance and Mike Clay and me and, and, and our elders that are here, and many of them are in attendance today, does that mean that we are more spiritual than you? No. But it means there's a high call on our lives to understand that we are called by God, positioned by God, put in a place by God to make sure that God's sheep are led properly. That you're hearing truth from the word of God. That you're having truth modeled for you. That that these are men that you can look up to, that you can respect. Are they perfect? No. But they are called by God to lead And the reason it's so significant, we'll see in a few moments, is that God looks at you as believers, as his children, as his special little ones. And we as under shepherds, under the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ, he says to us, you better not abuse my sheep. You better take care of my sheep. They're important to me. They're my little children. I love them. And I think about every Sunday when Peter ends his time, he prays, and, and I get ready to come up here and our kids flock out of here. Pardon the pun, sheep. They flock out of here to go to Kids Rock. Wait a minute, I think we've got a song here. They flock to the rock. Somebody write that down because I'll forget that I said it. It sounded profound to me. As they flock out of here, I think how special they are. Especially as you get older and you have grandchildren and, and you see your own grandchildren going out and growing up. And I even have one that's a teenager now. And you know how, how special those family relationships are. God says to elders, and more than anything, what we're going to look at today here is God's challenge to the Apostle Paul, to the Ephesian elders, for those of us who called been called to be elders, not just Steve and Mike, but for me and Brother John and Chris and Scott and Jim and, and all Chad Stewart and all our elders, all the men that God has called and placed in this position that we take it very seriously, that it's a responsibility. It can be be an incredible burden 
but that we step up to shoulder the burden because God wants us to, because we're called, not because of any other reason that we're responsible to God to make sure his sheep are taken care of. Leadership is about notori- not about notoriety, it's about spirituality. Abraham Lincoln once said, my greatest concern is to be on God's side, for God is always right. If you want to test the man's character, you give him power. And that's why it's important when a man is in leadership in a local church that it's never about him. It's never about telling people what to do. It's about teaching truth, modeling truth, and making sure that the sheep, whether they're in this room, they're across the hall, they're across the street, they're at the Bartlett campus, wherever we have influence, that the job of a pastor teacher, of an elder, primarily comes down to two things, that we are men of prayer and we are men of the word of God, that in everything truth is spoken in love and that we seek the will of God. So turn to Acts chapter 20, if you would, verse 18, and let's look at what is an elder as Paul challenges the Ephesian elders on his departure. And I want you to see the context as we walk through this, that an elder is a servant leader. And the first thing I want you to notice is the call on his life. Verse 18, 2018. Let's start in 17. From my leaders, Paul sent to Ephesus and he called for the elders of the church. So the apostle Paul, the leader of the church, is just going out to the Gentiles. Now he calls the elders together, the leaders of the church at Ephesus, verse 17. And then verse 18, he says to them, when they had come to him, he said to them, You know, from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. The first thing I want you to notice, verse 18 and 19, on the call, the call on the life of an elder is he has to be a humble servant. He has to be a humble servant. In reality, this sums up and sets the stage for everything that Paul is going to say. What he's saying to them is, in verses 18 and 19, and we're not going to go into great detail today, we just don't have time, because I want to make sure you see this whole context. But the bottom line, he's saying to them, you know, you've seen it in me. You've seen the real manifestation of what I've taught you. And if you miss everything else that I say today, get this. What you should expect from an elder in your church is that they teach truth and they live truth. Not perfect. And that in our imperfections, we own them. We're real. That you can know when you talk about and the reason that Steve Nance and Mike Clay have been selected and prayed over and this is not just something that happened out of the book because we really like them. The reason they've been selected is that they stand out. And they're not the only ones. But God is, we feel like these two men, God has said it's time. You look at who they are spiritually, and they don't just talk about it, they live it. It's part of who they are. It's their DNA. You see it in them. You see it in their family. And it's their time. Because let's be honest, I ain't as young as I used to be. Brother John sure ain't as young as he used to be. And it's important for us as leaders as we age, to pour ourselves into younger men and watch them grow in their faith and know that when the time comes for me to slide away, 
that there is a Mike Clay waiting, and there is a Steve Nance, there is a Rhett Butler. Because it's not about chronologically how old you are, elder. It's about where are you? Paul said to Timothy, let no one despise your youth, but you be an example in word and faith and in deed and in purity to the church. Some are older, some are younger, but that we pour into those that are younger the wisdom that God has given to us over years and years and then know that the church is in good hands. One of the things that thrills me about being on staff, being an elder of Christ Church, and I've been almost 34 years. I was seven when they hired me, I think. It was a, it was a risk, but they took it. 34 years, one of the things I love about who we are is that we simply try to do what God wants us to do. There are no agendas, there are no power plays, there's no turfism. It's, Lord, what do you want? And we'll try to do that. Sometimes we miss it, but I know the hearts of the men that I serve with, and I know the hearts of these two guys. I know that's the heart. They want to do what God wants them to do. That's what it means to be a humble servant. So Paul says to the, the Ephesian elders, and the context of this is he's about to leave, and they're never going to see each other again. It's a very emotional, painful time for Paul and for them, as we're going to see as we walk through this. Abraham Lincoln also said one time, if I were two-faced, if I were two-faced, would I be wearing this one? That'll be funny to you later when you're eating lunch. <laughs> if I were two-faced, is this the one I'd have on? One of the things I love about, again, the men that I serve with and Steve and Mike is you know who they are. They're not playing games. They're not being hypocritical. Again, not perfect, but seeking the face of God, seeking the will of God. Lord, what do you want? Secondly, in their call, look at verse 20. How I kept back nothing that was helpful, but I proclaimed it to you and I taught you publicly and from house to house testifying to Jews also to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Not just a humble servant, but a humble teacher. I love the way he puts this. I kept back nothing that was helpful. I just taught you the truth. I proclaimed what was helpful to you. I did it publicly, everywhere, house to house. But please note the next statement because it really, culturally, was a big deal in that day. To Jews, but also to Greeks, you see, Jews did not like Gentiles. They considered them dogs. They wanted nothing to do with them. The church radically changed that. And Paul wrote several times, the church is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, neither Jew or Gentile, neither male or female. We are one in Christ, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. So he says, you know, I didn't just come in as the Apostle Paul, remember how, who he was before he got saved and what it took for him to be accepted in the first place was radical because he had been their number one enemy. And then he comes in and the Lord has a special call on his life. And as he's doing that and pe churches are being started and lives are being changed, the church turned the world upside down under the, the Roman Empire, the early church did, because they were different. They treated people correctly. They loved Everybody, Jew or Gentile, they were all one in Jesus. And again, one of the beautiful things about serving at Christ Church 
is that we just want to do what's right. We love people. We want to share the, <coughs> share the truth and be genuine in doing so. I was yesterday, I coached two basketball teams. One's a church team. One's a, just uh, some of the kids go to church here. Some don't. One's a boys team. One's a girls team. And, and I'm just sitting there watching the families yesterday and, and seeing it didn't go well for us yesterday. We had some coaching errors that were made. I'm going to blame that on my assistant coaches as opposed to me. And we lost both games. One was very close and one was uh, not. So, but I watched the families and it's just really, what I love about doing that is being out in a non-setting where we're together at church and seeing at Singleton Community Center and at uh, New Hope Christian Church or at First Baptist Church in Millington, wherever we play the games, to just see the families together, and sometimes they get upset. We're not perfect. Peter still reminds me of when we were playing years ago in our gym at Bartlett and me getting a technical foul in the middle of a men's game, which I deserved at that point in time. <laughs> and my response to the referee was not good. And I, I deserved that technical file. He still brings it up on a file on a regular basis just to remind me, just to humble me. Paul said, I just taught you what was helpful. I love that, the way he phrases that. What you needed as the sheep of God, that's what I taught you. I taught you what would benefit you. I taught you what would help you grow. I taught you what Jesus put in me. That's what elders do. We make sure that whether it's Rhiannon's group, because we know her, and in our, our staff at Bartlett, and whether it's Russ's group across the street, because we know our people that they're being taught the truth. They're being loved. It's our job as elders to hold up the word of God and to teach what's helpful to our people publicly. He said, wherever I was, you knew me, you knew truth, repentance, and faith. What sets people free a million times? What sets them free? The truth. The truth about Jesus Christ, that repentance and faith in him will change your life forever, whether you're a Jew or whether you're a Greek or a Gentile. Paul said, I taught it to you. You knew that. Secondly, look at his commitment, verse 22, as an elder. Paul says, see, now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, knowing the things that will, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. His commitment as an elder. Number one, you just trust God at all times. They're men of faith. You just trust God at all times. Men in particular, and I say this because I are one, men in particular sometimes have a hard time not fixing something right now. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to fix it right now. What I do is say, Mary, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, call Ryan. Or call somebody else. But we're presented with a problem, we want to fix it right now. Sometimes it's just God says, no, you have to trust me. Seek my face some more. You have to be men of faith. Notice what he says. Look at verse 22 again. I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem. In other words, I've got to go to Jerusalem. I don't even know what's going to happen when I get there, except I do know this. The Holy Spirit testifies in every city saying that chains and tribulations await me. Wait a minute. 
I got to go to Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit has said, you're going to Jerusalem. I got to go. That's what God told me to do. And I really don't know what awaits me, but I do know this. Chains and tribulations. That doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun, does it? But he's still going where? To Jerusalem. Why? Because despite the chains, despite the tribulations, I got to go to Jerusalem. Because that's what God told me to go. And one of the things we shared with Steve and Mike, I hope we shared this with them. One of the things that we've discovered as elders over a period of time is that it's difficult at times. It's hard. The mental pressure can just eat away at you. The, 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 the demonic pressure it gets to be overwhelming. So if nothing else, here's what I ask of you as fellow believers, part of this local congregation that is Christ Church. You pray for these two men. You pray for the rest of us that are elders. When we get down here at the end of the service and we're going to lay hands on them and pray for them, many of our Bartlett guys who, who worship and serve at the Bartlett campus are here today. You're not even going to recognize their faces. Next week when we introduce Steve and Mike to the Bartlett campus, they're going to be going, who are these clowns? One's too tall and one's too short. We can't have that. They're not going to know who they are. But we serve together. And you, God commands you, God exhorts you to pray for them, to pray for us. You've heard me say it many times. If you don't have anybody to pray for, stick Randy in there. I covet your prayers. They do. We do. Here's why. We want to do what's right. We want to be right in the center of God's will. And we covet your prayers. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman, believer, avails much. You ought to pray for us every day. Just take time to say, Lord, give them wisdom. Give them wisdom to do your business your way. Verse 24. None of these things move me, but none of these things move me. I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm looking forward to chains and tribulations. But that does not move me because I do not count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And indeed now I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more. He says this does not move me. If you, if you understand the context and you look at it closely, he loves these guys at Ephesus. He loves this church. He loves these people. Where would you might want to stay and hang out? Ephesus sounds like he really would have enjoyed staying there. But God has told him what? You got to go to Jerusalem. Yeah, you're going to be put in chains. And yeah, you're going to go through tribulations. Here's what he says. And this is where being an elder, a leader, but even as a believer, the principle is true. That if God says, you go here, no matter what that means, what do I have to go as a believer? I got to go there. Because my life doesn't belong to me. Who does it belong to? It belongs to Jesus. And then it belongs to each other. We are servants of each other. Particularly in the case of an elder, my heart, my life, my purpose for existence is to lead. So whatever God says, that's what I do. Knowing change and tribulations may await. Because my life does not belong to me. It belongs to my Savior Jesus 
and to you. I, we, serve you. None of this moves me. It's not about my life. It's about my race. I love verse 25. He says, we're just not going to see each other again. Man, it's very poignant. You'll see more about that in a moment. I'm not going to see each other again. But I got to go. Just got to go do what God tells me to do. Look at verse 26. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. It's just an elder. Our responsibility is to teach the whole counsel of God. And sometimes people don't want to hear the counsel of God. One of my favorite verses, Ephesians 4.15, says the way we grow up is we're speaking the truth. What's the rest of it? In love. In love. Sometimes you have to say things to someone that they don't want to hear. We've all been there. But as elders, sometimes it's constantly what you have to do. We're going to speak the truth. We're not going to put someone behind the podium just to make up whether it's here, over there, across the street, at Bartlett, wherever it is, if you're going to stand up in Christ's church and open the word of God, they're going to speak the truth. That's our responsibility to make sure they do. They speak the truth, but speak it in love, not arrogance, not I'm better than you. Listen, nobody was more convicted in putting this message together than Randy, because I are one of these. God constantly reminds me, those are my sheep, you better you better make sure you're taking care of them. Don't accept this position, this responsibility, if you're not going to care for my sheep. Because I hold you accountable. It's a serious privilege and responsibility. So his challenge, verse 28. Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, he says to the elders. You take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. That's the word elder, overseer. Shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Here's his challenge. Number one, verse 28, you love God's flock. You love them. He says, I've entrusted them to you. You're an overseer. You're an under-shepherd, under the great shepherd. You love my sheep because I bought them. With my own blood. He says we were bought with the precious blood of Christ. Not with gold and silver. Man would buy anything with gold and silver. God said I didn't use that trash to purchase you. I used my son's blood to purchase you. That's how precious you are to me. So he says to elders you love them. Take care of yourself. You make sure you're what you're supposed to be. And then you love my flock. They are important to me. Verse 29 and 30, also verse 30, from among yourselves men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after themselves. So you look at verse 29 and 30, here's the challenge. Number one is love God's flock. Then verse 29 and 30 is you protect them from two things. From outside the church, you're going to have savage wolves come in and try to harm those sheep. You protect them. There are false teachers all over the place. But he said they're not only from the outside, you're also going to have them from the inside. From right inside your very church, 
People may rise up and try to draw away disciples after themselves. You protect my sheep. You protect them from those outside false teachers and from those inside false teachers that are going to rise up in your very midst. And the church of the United States sees it all the time. There are false teachers everywhere in the church, some coming in from outside, starting their own ministries, holding the Bible. They're really good speakers and they got a great show. But the reality is not about truth. We have to protect our sheep from that. Speak the truth in love. And in verse 31, you warn your flock. 31, therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. I didn't stop. Did not cease night and day with tears. Here's the two things I want you to see about that. The life of the Apostle Paul, he said, you've seen it in me. I'm going away, going to Jerusalem. It doesn't look good. I'm probably never going to see you again. I'm handing you the baton for this church at Ephesus. And you saw it in me. I didn't just talk about it. For three years, you saw me night and day. Not every now and then, but every time you saw me perpetually, you saw how much I taught, I loved, I warned. And not only did you see it, you knew it was important to me. I cared. It was with tears. And I know as a congregation, you know Steve and Mike, and you may not know some of our other elders, but I'm telling you, they love you. They care about you. We cry over you to make sure we're doing what's right. That we hurt when negative things are said about our church. It hurts us. We just have to do what's right and love you. He said, you saw it in me. Tears. I cared about you. So look how it ends, how it wraps up. Look at his compassion for them. Verse 32. So now, brethren, I commend you to the God, to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Just keep teaching. Keep teaching. He says, brethren, to the elders, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace as elders. That grace is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are being sanctified. He said, I'm commending you to that. Then what did he expect the elders to turn around and do? Share that with the sheep. Model that for the sheep so that they too can grow up in that grace. Verse 33, I've coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who were with me. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus. He said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Again, the example. The example. Just be a giver. Be there for the sheep. Take care of them. Work for them. Serve them. Let them see by your example that that grace is at work. In your life, verse 36, when he had said these things, he knelt down and he prayed with them all. I hope you see the compassion he has for these guys. I've taught you. I've given you my example. 
Let's pray together again in verse 37. They all wept freely. And that word means a lot, much. They wept freely. And they fell on Paul's neck and kissed him. Again, I hope you see the compassion, the emotion. They realize the guy who has brought us here is leaving and we're not going to see him again. And he expects us to carry on. It's quite a challenge to them, isn't it? He didn't didn't expect them to be Paul. He expected them to be elders, be who you are with these principles in mind. And then verse 38, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spoke, that they would see his face no more. And they accompanied him to the ship. They accompanied him to the ship. That's a tough walk, wasn't it? Tough to see him get on that ship and sail, knowing that he was going away. And it was going to be difficult. It was going to be hard. But they had the challenge to love those sheep. I know all of you have heard of Mark Twain. And if you're like me, growing up, I I couldn't get enough. I read everything Mark Twain wrote. I thought he was such a tremendous author. I loved Huckleberry Finn. I don't know how many times I read it. Tom Sawyer, Connecticut Yankee, and King Arthur's Court, on and on. Mark Twain was a brilliant man. He grew up in a home with his mother and his grandmother. They were devout believers. And he knew the truth. But Mark Twain was so anti-Christ as an adult, it just oozed from him. In his writings, you would see it, in his things that he would say. And you know why Mark Twain was so turned off? He saw truth in his mother and his grandmother. He saw it modeled. But what he saw in the leaders of the church was the exact opposite. He saw hypocrisy in them. And he wanted nothing to do with it. I guarantee you we can go around this room. And many of you have stories like you were hurt by someone in the church. Abused spiritually. We've even seen recently physically people get abused by leaders in church. Where leaders haven't done what's right. They get turned off to church. Jesus Christ never abused Mark Twain, did he? And so for, the, for those of us who are elders, it's incredibly important that we understand that these sheep that God allows us to be overseers of are his precious little children and you better take care of them. Let's pray together. Father, we pause before you as our God. We thank you for the structure that you've set up called the church. Jesus said to us, this is my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And Lord, for this moment in time, you have placed Christ Church, Arlington, Bartlett. You've placed us in history here to speak the truth, to model the truth. And Lord, for those of us who are elders... We take that very seriously, Father, that call on our lives to honor you, to serve Jesus, and to serve the sheep, to protect them, teach them, be men of prayer and men of the word of God. So today, Lord, as we ordain two new men in the leadership roles of Christ Church as elders, we do pray for Steve and for Mike, Lord, that they 
we bring the wisdom that you give to them into our body to lead. And Lord, we thank you for their testimony and their lives and their family. And Lord, we just pray you continue to use them in the life of Christ Church. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.